<laughs> Dave does this to this all the time. Good, some blooper rolling early. Uh, all right, well, welcome everyone to the Medevac Podcast. I'm Christian Myers, joined by my co-host today, David Reed. He's right next to me. Boom. And we have a guest today, Taylor Grieger, who's a Hello. former... Yeah, welcome. Thanks for coming on. You know, man. I always uh, fuck it up. Taylor, Tyler. <laughs> do you ever get that all the time? <laughs> yes, I do. Yeah, well, all the Taylor. Time. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about yourself, man. So you were a Navy rescue swimmer, huh? Mm-hmm. Yep, I was. Um, so six what years, years was that? Um, I joined in 2010, got out at the end of 2016. And I was in, after I finished the training pipeline, I was in Guam for four and a half years. Oh, that must have sucked, huh? Ooh. Yeah, I know you're being sarcastic, but, <laughs> but it wasn't fun for real. Oh, really? It wasn't? Why not? No. It was, uh, it was a lot different than I thought. I thought we were going to the island and it was going to be a, Bunch of beautiful island women yeah. and hanging out on the beach. Surfing every day. Yeah, I wasn't like that surfing at all. and <laughs> no. pineapple drinks. I mean, leave it no. to the military to make, like, the funnest things, like, miserable. Yeah, <laughs> they succeeded. They, they did? succeeded. Um, but, but we had a good— I think the only thing that was awesome out about it, I still look back about it and think about it, is the guys we were out there with were freaking cool, dude. Mm. We had a good group of guys out there that made a shitty situation tolerable. Why, yeah. was, it, why was it shitty? Just in general, like— Navy bullshit or that, yeah, that and and Guam was kind of dynamic. And not to get too deep too soon into this, sorry. No, no. Oh, get as those deep of you as watching. possible, brother. Yeah, deep. <laughs> um, <laughs> Always go deep, Matt. <laughs> Our producer's looking at us, giving me the eyes. Oh, <laughs> uh, get deep, brother. Yeah, it was just, Guam was um, a different beast in itself because there's a it's surrounded by by coral reef and and. That that was a lot of our rescues or a lot of calls we got were getting guys, tourists that got stuck on the reef and whatnot. So most of the time when we came out there, they were already dead. Mm. Um, shredded up pretty good. We called it a washing machine. They'd get sucked under the reef and their bodies would be rolled on razor blades. That's yeah. what that's what we would go out there and just getting meat to death. Yep. Yep. Um, so that was the calls. A lot of the calls we got. Other than that, we got um there's a lot of medevac calls where we just operated as an ambulance, keeping people stable. Yeah. Uh, okay. The other islands out there didn't have hospitals. Guam was the only major hospital in the Marianas Islands. Okay. So if somebody got shot or fell off a cliff or something on another island, mm-hmm. they'd, they'd call our island and we'd fly out there and pick them up and then stabilize them on the way to the hospital. Okay. That was the majority of our calls. So it was a lot of, it was a lot less guardian and a lot more like we were coroners or. Oh, yeah. Just bo- yeah. body recovery all yeah. the time. Yeah, so no, so was. this was something that you weren't prepared for at all when you originally signed up? No. I thought it was going to be, oh, right, you saved my life, man. Cool. <laughs> yeah, like the Guardian, dude. Yeah. yeah. You know, I thought we were having Kevin Costner on for a minute. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Where's Ashton at? I'm still waiting to meet Ashton Kutcher and tell him, fuck you, dude. <laughs> <laughs> my 500 times yeah. is twice as fast. I'm looking for him, man. You got the, <laughs> you got the gum, stick it to the side yeah. of the, you're ready to go. So, like, how did you get into, like, is that something you've always wanted to do? Or, like, I mean, you saw the movie and you were like, yeah, I'm going to do that. But, like, how did you get into <laughs> Navy rescue swimming? I did see the movie and I did think it was super cool. Um, I was on the swim team in high school and and— I thought if I was going to swim, I should try and use this for other people. I know it sounds cheesy, but... No, that's fair. You're a small town, Texas. You you know, you go to church a lot and you feel like you owe, you owe people something in this world. So that's what I, that's why I joined was to uh, use swimming for other people and pretty naive train of thought back then. Yeah. But I mean, that, that's what opened the door and got me out there. Yeah. So, I mean, you you got into it. What year was this again? 
Um, 2009 is when I got in. I, I went to, I got to rescue swimmer school at the beginning of 2010. Okay. And how intense was that training? It is intense, man. Um, we, our class started with 33 people and we finished with three people in the same class. That's not, we had a couple rollbacks from classes previous. So mm-hmm. Our total graduating class was uh, 13 people. People that like broke stuff in classes before us and healed up and then got back in our class. Yeah. But three of us from our original class finished. Um, now don't, I, they, don't they make everybody in the Navy learn how to swim in basic training? Do you ever just like stop and think to yourself like, yeah, they they do. Is there anyone to rescue? You have to go through swim calls, and if you fail the swim calls, you have, you have to spend time learning to swim. People do join the Navy not knowing how to swim, which is oh, I bet, funny. I bet. So, what what is that? And like, what kind of training is that? The swim test, like, very basic and fatigues. Yeah. What do you? No, it's super in basic training. It's super basic, um, hence the name. But. <laughs> It, I don't even remember. You remember, it was like 200 meters you had to swim. And you oh, pretty much just had to stay it. afloat. Oh, yeah. Really? In basic training, yeah. That's pretty easy. And then when you go to rescue swimmer school, it was, I mean, then you're swimming a lot, like miles. Um, you have to go out swim out the bay and swim a couple miles. It was split up. So mornings are usually um, spent on land, and then afternoons are all in the water. Okay. And it's just nonstop. That seems pretty fair. Though. I mean, and you get beat up on the breaths, and like, are you almost drowning or what? Like, yeah, I actually talked about this last week with some guys. Um, people don't realize we sp- you spend a whole dedicated week learning how to bite people underwater because yeah, if they're I'm resisting, sure you, yeah. So that like in the Guardian, that whole thing where you like yeah, that's headbutt them or punch them in the mm-hmm. face. Yep, and that's my advice to people if you ever get rescued by a rescue swimmer: just be a limp noodle, dude. Just relax. Yeah, yeah. don't yeah. do anything. Stop <laughs> trying because <laughs> they're looking for any opportunity to punch you in Please. the face. <laughs> Please. Let me punch you right yeah. now. Yeah, it's just, I'm going to do nothing, and they just punch me right in the face. <laughs> I mean, hey, dude, you're resisting. <laughs> yeah. So Guam is your first duty station, and you just you spent a primary bulk of the time doing medevac operations for locals or, or yes. tourists out there? Um, the rescue swimmer school is in Pensacola, Florida, and then you go to your FRS, your, where you learn to be a rescue swimmer and a helicopter, and that's okay. in San Diego. So okay. I was in San Diego for a year. That must have been horrible swimming. Yeah. Swimming in, in San cold, Diego man. waters. It's cold out there. The water's cold. So do you have like a memorable rescue story that you, you just sticks out on the top of your head? Mm, I had a good medevac. Yeah, I do. Um, and it's and it's probably not what you're looking for, but it, it goes into like, I learned a lot about people when they're about to die. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, and this is probably the one that I learned the most on was um, we got a call. And it was a guy fell off a cliff. He was high, like his family couldn't find him, couldn't find him mm. for a day. So the next day we went out searching for him. Okay. And we ended up spotting him and another guy. They were, one guy was about 50, 50 something. The other guy was probably 57, 60. Okay. And I, um, I went down the wire with our corpsman right after me and went up and talked to the guy. They're on the side. Of, I mean, they're on the side of a cliff. Like, I'm I'm climbing little bushes to get up to them oh, shit. on this cliff, right? And I finally get to them. Helicopter takes off. I can't hear anything they're saying because it's so loud and blowing them off. And um, they take off and start circling the mountains. Mount, Mount Lam Lam is the mountain out there that's called. Okay. And um, once they leave, I'm like, yo, get, let's go, guys. Come on. What are you doing? They're not looking like they want any help or anything. Yeah. And it turns out— and. Sorry if this dude watches the show, but I'm gonna I'm gonna blast you. This so this guy, <laughs> this guy wrote the book. Literally wrote the book called "Best Hikes on Guam," 
And so he was out there with this other guy taking oh, him on a hike. Just ironic. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I was like, come on. Like, he's he's bad. They haven't had water in a day. And it's oh, in, yeah. they're, he's in bad shape. Pretty I'm delirious. Like, and I'm telling him, I'm not like, ready at all. Not prepared no, for this hike. No, no. And I'm telling him, I'm like, dude, you're going to die if you stay out here. Like, you, you can't even stand up. You need to come Water's with us for the for week. <laughs> and he, he was... He was like shriveled, you know, and you yeah. can super wasn't even sweating. He was that far gone. Okay. Yeah. Um, and he was like, I can't go. If, if I go, nobody will buy my book. <laughs> Jesus. For real. I Maybe bet. if you die, you'll like, you know, they'll sell more. Right. I mean, <laughs> you got to have a balance. <laughs> Dude, that like that took me back. And I'm arguing with him like, man, you are not going to make it another couple hours if you stay out here. He's not having it. He's like, I can't go. Nobody's going to buy my book. Oh, my God. So I had to call the, our pilots circling around and explain this to them. And they're like, are you serious? Like, yes, this is really happening right now. And uh, they're like, we can't force them to get in the helicopter. Oh, so oh like, okay. Jesus. So they, uh, they, we marked his spot and they hoisted the corpsman and I back up into the, in the helo. And we went back to base and GFR found him, the uh, Guam Fire Rescue. Okay. Like about six hours later. And, and then it took those guys... Almost eight hours to carry that guy on a litter down the mountain Where you to could get have out of there. Hoisted him out. In yeah, a, he'd have been at the hospital in, in twenty minutes. Yeah, man. So awesome. I don't know. I don't well, know. That's, maybe that one has always stuck with me. Just maybe listen next time, right, to the professionals. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what this. That dude was willing to die instead of uh, giving up his credibility, and it, it still blows my mind to this day. Now, did he sell the book? <laughs> yeah. Did you get a signed copy I'm at sure, least? Man. Signed no, copy? He didn't. Like right from the litter? No, nope, I haven't heard from him. I haven't heard from him. <laughs> we won't say any names just because people are going to think we're so cruel. Uh, so, we'll keep his name out of it, yeah. yeah so, you, I mean, there's got to be frustrating moments while you're, you're, you know, you expect, your expectations go in so high to this kind of prestigious position and then you're just fishing people out of the water all the time. Yeah, a lot of a lot of the the rescues were um, Japanese and Russian tourists. It's a huge. It, it's like Japan's Hawaii. Oh, really? Guam is. Yeah. Guam. So Japanese tourism, tourism. I mean, it's just packed with Japanese people in the <laughs> in the summertime, which are super awesome. Uh, but there's a disconnect between understanding rip currents in Japan and and on places like Guam with coral reefs. Yeah. And um, that's walk, walk us through a rip current. If you get stuck in a rip current. Follow it out to sea and we'll come get you. Yeah. Don't fight it or you'll drown. Don't fight it. Yeah. <laughs> Relax. <laughs> you'll lose every time. Yeah. Um, and that's one thing we were fighting on the island for the longest time to get some kind of education on like flights coming to the island. Yeah. To explain what rip currents are. Yeah. And explain people how to live through that. Mm -hmm. There's nothing like that though. Um, are they, they're, so I imagine they're pretty severe out there if they're sucking people. Yeah. Under and how far do they kick people out? The reef, reef goes anywhere from 500 meters to a mile. Okay, well, that's pretty significant. Um, some of the some of the most popular beaches they'd go to is about five hundred meters out. Yeah. Hmm. Um, so, and everybody likes to go to the reef because that's where all the fish are. Okay. So you'll see any any shark attack rescues or what? I I was on a call. Um, it was out near the south end of the island, and we they called and said they saw a shark and somebody was in the water. By the time we got there, we just I saw we just saw a piece of. The person mm -hmm. in the water, so we didn't get in the water. But that was the closest I come to pulling somebody on a shark attack out. But not really, man. 
So no cool stories like you punched a shark in the face? I'm sorry, dude. <laughs> That's what I want to know. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> what these stories? I know. He's got to leave. making those up. <laughs> yeah. I'm out. Punched a shark. Boring. Boring. Out. Damn, cut the show. <laughs> then you thought, no, um, no cool shark attack stories. I mean. A lot of people falling off cliffs and breaking their legs. A lot of and, surfers, I'm sure. Not, yeah. I keep shooting you down. I got to shoot you down again. There wasn't that much surfing there mm-hmm. in Guam. Um, the break was right on top because it, so Guam sits right on top of the Marianas Trench. So yes. there really isn't anything for the surf to build up on. It, it, right after you get over the reef, it's like three miles deep. Yeah. Straight down. That's why people get sucked down and stuck under the coral. That makes sense. Yeah. So, so not, a lot of, um, not a lot of surfing. It was mainly like, like boat distress calls okay. that, we, that we'd get a lot. Um, and then we were on deployment. We launched, I was on the Bonhomme Richard. We launched one time for this Japanese fishing vessel was, yeah. was sinking. Okay. Stuff like that. We'd, we'd help each other out. We did a lot of work with them. Um, Can you talk about that one a little bit? How big? I mean, where were you guys deployed to? From Guam? Yeah, that was my first deployment in 2013. Um, whenever we'd deploy, we'd get attached to whatever ship was in the area. Most, most of the time, it was the Bonhomme Shard, and they were out of uh, Yakuska. How many uh, rescue swimmers do they have on each ship? We'd go out with a team of 12. There'd be 12 of us and um, on each deployment. Oh, pretty close. Like you guys. Oh, yeah. Hell yeah, ma'am. Yeah. I mean, yeah. If you're graduating with three people, like at a time, yeah. you know, super, super. Gotta be a small community. And our, and our base was on the Anderson Air Force Base on the north end of the island. Okay. So we we're the only Navy guys there. So, yeah. yeah. Everyone just looks at you like, oh, he's probably doing the right thing. Yeah. He's right. probably wearing his uniform correctly. <laughs> Man. So, so a- after all, all this unexpected things happening to you, did the mental fatigue set in throughout your service? Or, I mean, was it heavy? I mean, that's got to be tough. Just like talking to a dude on it and be like, hey, it's time to turn around. Doesn't listen. And then you're like, dude, I told you so. Yeah. But um, that's still got to be heavy in your mind. It was. Um, I just heard this story. Again, I apologize, guys. This probably is Going way left field than than left field is good, man. Wherever you take it, field is good. Wherever you take it, anywhere. Um, I heard this story last week actually, and I've never related more to a dog in my life, man. Um, <laughs> I like where this story is going. <laughs> right. I'm in. <laughs> I'm in. Unless the puppy dies, then we're we're not about that. No, they didn't. But did you guys hear about the search and rescue dogs on 9/11? Have you heard that story? What about them? So these dogs, they use the dogs to find the bodies in the mm-hmm. rubble. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. yeah. And at one point, the dogs started getting depressed and not wanting to go search for people because all they were finding were dead people. Really? Really? Yeah. So it got to the point where the dogs wouldn't even go work. They were just, they wouldn't get up because wow. they didn't want to keep finding dead people. So they had to start hiding. Like firemen would go bury themselves on the other side of it. Pretend to be alive. Yep. And then let the dogs really? go find them. And then, oh, thank God you saved my life, you know? Oh, wow. That's the best way I can describe what it was like. And then getting out. So at the end of my tour, I was like, I, I, I'm not who I was supposed to be in this world. I was pretty, in pretty bad shape. I knew it was yeah. time for me to, to leave. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I got burned out. Well, yeah, you know, I what I'm going to do after the show is I'm going to go lay in the bathroom. <laughs> Let me come find you. Yeah. And I'll be like, I'm alive! Yay! Yeah. Yeah. Fill up the bathtub full of water. Yeah. Yeah. Hands poking out. Cool. Taylor! Uh, so, I mean, so was that your, your option there? You're just like, I, I'm done with this. It's time to move on. Like, did you have a plan? Did you think you were going to 
like be in for 20 years? What was going on through your head? I had no uh, intention of staying in for mm. 20 years. I might have, I didn't, and when I first, when I was still all bug-eyed and happy when I got out there. Um, Red-eyed, bushy-tailed. Yeah, I wanted, I wanted to go do a shore duty somewhere, mm-hmm. probably back to Rice Summer School and teach guys. Um, but by the end of that, I was like, no, nah, I'm getting out. I'm not doing this anymore. No way. Yeah. Yeah. Did you have any close calls when you were in? Like, Hell yeah. Yeah, dude, you're flying in, hel- I mean, you know, you flew in helicopters too. Yeah. If you fly in helicopters, every single person has at least five experiences where you look at the dude next to you and you're like, well, you're the last face that I'm going to see. We're yep. fucking dead. Yeah, we're about to die so, right now. Yeah. What was the situation? Did you, like, were you flying in storms? Like, what was, what oh was the close God. call for you? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Chip um, lights when you're 30 miles out to sea. Like, well, here we go. <laughs> yeah, I don't even know which one to pick right now. All right, so I'll give you guys a choice. One is um, at nighttime and backing into a tree. Or the next one is we had to fly uh, two-star admirals. Hearse back to shore from a boat in the big ass storm. I like both of these. I went both. <laughs> <laughs> I went both. Two star admirals hearse back to shore. Yeah, yeah, ma'am. Hearse. Right, we'll start. We'll start there. Yeah. Um, so we were is Operation Talisman Saber um, off of Australia, yep. and this was probably two thousand two thousand fourteen. Australia was that? That was good. Is that great too? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Horrible. Stories are all real. The stories <laughs> are all real. Yeah. It's rough. Yeah. It's rough living. Yeah. <laughs> People there are super awesome. Yeah. Um, we and the bottom of Shard was doing circles off the coast, taking people in and out of uh, land. And we were one of those assets that were just carrying people back and forth yeah. from shore to, to ship. Back and forth. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so one night, this one night, there we were <laughs> in one world yeah. in Australia. In world. Australia, down under. Uh, Taylor Drieger, one man. Half crash. Oh. Yeah. It was absolutely piss and rain, man. And we and it was one of those nights. There was no moon. There was nothing. There wasn't any cultural lighting because we were we were so far away from any kind of civilization. Zero loom over the water. Nothing, man. Nope. Um, and this guy's this admiral's got to leave. He's got to go back to shore. And we're like, Dude, we're not flying in this. No way. Yeah. We had already dropped off the last people, and they're like, no, he's got to go to shore. You guys got to take him and all his all his team. You know how they have the people that carry his yeah, bags for him his and entourage, stuff. Yeah, his entourage, entourage and minions. Yeah. 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 God bless their souls. We're conveniently like 06s. Like, yeah, how did right? you end up in this that's position? A, right. It's supposed to be a glorified position. Yeah. Like that's, like that's you, a good you put on You put on 06, you're like, congratulations, you're his assistant. You're a like, bitch now. Like, wait, yeah. wait a second. <laughs> Dude, it was, uh, that was another one of the eye-opening experiences I'm sure you guys had when you are in the military, but it, it we broke about every law in the book to take off from the flight yeah. deck. It was it was blowing every bit of fifty five knots over the flight deck, and Holy we shit. weren't supposed to take off over forty five. Yeah, long. you can't even start the rotors. Nope. Yeah, forty five knots. Mm-mm. Nope, we did, dude. Oh he made God. sure of it. We did, and to the like, point, dude. What is this? A fucking Uber right now? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, um, I didn't. Yeah, it is. It is. It's his personal Uber. That's exactly yeah. how it was used out there. Oh man. Um, there were a and lot. What was of- his justification for that? Like. There wasn't. He, he has two stars. Yeah. <laughs> it was dumb. There was no There's reason. There's 10 points here, and that's <laughs> right. all I need to say. Yeah. Yep. That's okay. exactly how it went. And um, one of the guys, one of the junior crewmen was like, I'm not, I don't feel safe. I'm not going. I was like, dude, I don't blame you yeah. at all. Fuck you don't yeah. need to fucking go. Um, so it ended up being our, our LPO, um, our lead petty officer, is our E6, the guy that was in charge of all of us for all of you non-Navy folks. I think both of you guys were not. I, don't, not, I still don't, don't understand yeah. your race. Scuttlebutt. 
He's a scuttlebutt. <laughs> God bless him, man. His name's Adam Kaluza. He, he he works well. He works with me now, but he's he's probably one of the best uh, crewmen I've ever I've ever been with. He's like, oh, we'll go. We're going. We're going to do this, and and he did, man. And they made it back alive. But it was just one of those things where it's like, we're gonna. You can't see anything. The wind's nuts. I don't even know how you're gonna take off right now. And they still did it, and they still went. Um, stories like that. I don't know how they still live today, but yeah, flying at night like that, especially over the water. You How are you going to find a boat when you back? Yeah, dude. Yeah. You get zero illumination, which means that there's no discernible horizon. So when you're flying out there, you have black sky with stars in it and water with that's black with stars <laughs> reflecting off of it. So it looks like one solid sheet of black and stars. You're like, I think I'm above the water. Let me check my radar altimeter and make sure I am. But and, and, God yeah, damn, and this fails. And you have yeah. to rely purely off instruments at that point. Yeah. And that's dangerous all in itself. Yeah. Hold on to your butts. Yeah. Ugh. No shit. That's not so fun. you gave him a ride. Did he at least say thank you at the no, end? Or? Hell no, dude. No. That's, <laughs> like, that was like one of the, like I said, that was one of the eye-opening experiences. Like, oh, this is how it really is, dude. Like, you're welcome. Yeah, it, yeah. And, and that's funny. It's like with the higher higher level leadership is like rules go out the window. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, now we're not even bending rules anymore. We're breaking them. Yep. So you had to fly his purse back to him, he said? He forgot it. Oh. He forgot it on the boat. His man purse. So our happy asses landed. And I had to pick up his purse and bring it back to shore to him. So I had to do that flight twice. Oh, man. Yeah. Super fun. Gave me goosebumps talking about how stupid is that, right? Stuff yeah. like that. Uh, just uh, uh, When you're going into inclement weather like that, I mean, a lot of people don't understand if they haven't spent a lot of time on helicopters. Like, it's already trying to fucking kill you yep. the whole time, especially H-60s. Mm-hmm. I, I did over like, uh, like 1,600 flight hours or something along those lines. I mean, uh, Fair amount of time in the 60s, and the thing's trying to fucking kill you all the time. Yep. Now you're flying in, taking off of a ship with 55 knot crosswinds and black. Yeah, I say let it, I'm glad, I'm glad you understand. I say let I'm jumping right on that <laughs> helicopter. I'd be like, if I don't feel like I'm dying right now, I'm not serving correctly. Yeah. <laughs> Ignorance is bliss in the helicopter. Let me uh, tell you what. The less true. you know, the happier you are. It's very true. <laughs> yeah. So the other story... Um, that was, we were another training flight, man. We were, um, we were fast roping. We worked with EOD mobile unit five out there in Guam a lot. Mm-hmm. So this is what I tried to explain to you guys earlier. It's kind of hard when we're stationed in Guam, we're rescue swimmers. And then we go on deployments, we're door gunners and just crew chiefs. So, yeah. okay. um, so when we deploy, it's with, it's with EOD mobile unit five or whatever MU we're, we're stationed with. Okay. Um, we did a lot of work with the recon guys in the Philippines and whatnot. Um, so we were training for, we were building up for a deployment. We we're training with the OD guys and, uh, we we're fast roping them into the middle of the jungle. And when we came back, we were going to hoist them all out. Well, there's a bunch of just mountains in Guam, you know, and you got to get down pretty low. And it was just one of those dark nights and you can't see anything around you. It's like no one wants to be rescued when it's convenient, right? Yeah. It's always got to be the picked worst up every situations time. ever. Every time, dude. It, I guess that's yeah. why they're, I mean, <laughs> they're not just sitting on a beach somewhere drinking a pina colada. That's the person I want to rescue. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, usually if they're calling guys like me or, or Taylor, like the, their teams, it's it's the worst day of your life for a reason. Like, and yeah. there's a reason they're calling us because no one else can physically do it. Yeah. And then yeah. you have to go put yourself in the same situation yeah. that caused them to get in the worst day yeah. of their life. And, yeah. and get them out of it at the same time. Like, yep. This will be fun. 
<laughs> yeah. Somebody should have told me that before I joined, too. Oh, yeah. yeah all they said was miniguns and helicopters, and I was like, signature yeah, right sure. away. Like, That's how it always works, right? Sounds fucking yeah. great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was like, when I, when I joined, I was like, airborne school, this is going to be great. I'll jump out of planes. It'll be a blast, you know? And then they're like, oh, here's 200 pounds of gear. We're going to do, uh, you know, a super low flight at 600 feet at night, uh, and you're probably going to rip blow out your crotch from from your fatigues and just land like a sack of potatoes. And I'm like, leave it to the army to make everything fun. Yeah. <laughs> just a little bit more exciting. So you're in the valley with him. Yeah, we're in a little, it's probably half a mile wide. Um, and we were picking him up like right next to this tree line. Can't see anything. The MEGs were all kind of like doing that, what is it, scintillation? Yes, yeah. scintillation. Like, shit, I don't know. I don't know where what the hell's around us right now. <laughs> You're trying your best, and you're looking around, and uh, yeah, we had to start coming back to to pick this guy up and ride into a tree, dude. And like you felt the bird just lurch, you know. And did you guys hit the tail rotor on the tree? Or yeah, back, oh. but it didn't break oh. anything on. But it was enough to like catch and like make a spin. And like it was that moment where I was like, I was with uh, this guy Jack Hawkins, and I looked at him, and I was like, Yeah, we're gonna die right now. I yeah. would be like, Woo, let's. <laughs> God, dude, I'm so glad I didn't fly with you. Holy <laughs> shit. Yeah, I'm, I'm shooting the gun out of the helicopter. Yeah. Hanging out the window. Yeah. Fucking boy. Oh, man. Yeah. Oh. crazy, man. Yeah, you get stuck to your chair. Your butthole pucker is pretty tight. You're like, yeah, well. oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, we're, we're sitting next to the cabin door, so you have the deck rings on the floor. So yep. you're just holding on to those. And you're like, oh, this is it, man. Here we go. Yep. Home for a ride. Home ended, for a ride. Ended up coming forward and it put it down and shut down and went and checked out the tail rotor and it was good. We, we flew back to base that night, but mm. it's just, it's things like that over and over again, all yeah. those years that add up and you're like, I'm tired of thinking I'm about to die right now. <laughs> yeah. yeah, rolling the dice every time, man. Every yeah. time. Yeah. And you're, yeah, you're flying in terrible situations every time. And keep in mind, like these helicopters were designed in, in the 70s and 80s, right? They were only made to be used at a certain weight limit. So 16,825 pounds is the, like, operating weight limit. Whereas the Air Force, and I think the Navy, too, were like, no, the helicopter manufacturer doesn't know what it's talking about. We can bump this up to, like, 22,000 pounds. So you're overstressing these aircraft, and they have, like, four times as many flight hours as they're supposed to have. Mm -hmm. Like, no, we can still operate. They're just beating the shit out of these Uh, things. Like, no, 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 it's fine. It's fine. You guys will be okay. They'll be fine for another 30, 40 years as well. Yeah, (laughs) take off every time. Like, well... We go. It's gonna happen, man. So that that uh, that had to catch up with you pretty quick. Yeah, it did. It just, I mean, each by the end of it, I was like, "This is dumb, dude. Some, mm-hmm. We're gonna die for a training mission right now. This is stupid." Yeah. yeah. Is that? Is there any sort of uh, discussion on the naval side of it, uh, discussing PTS or PTSD, or just? dealing with mental trauma in the first place? Like, is that a conversation that they would typically have with you guys? Or is that, is it just kind of glossed over? Hmm. No, it's not discussed at all. Interesting. Yeah, you would think it's not. And it's not for lack of trying either. Um, it's one of those, go, go to the hospital. And deal with it yourself kind of thing. And or? let them deal with it lose your wings, lose your job, take you out of the rotation. Um, You'll never be a rescue swimmer again. Mm -hmm. Uh, So why would anybody ask for help if they're going to lose everything that they've worked for? Yeah. It seems so counterintuitive to me. It is. It's very counterintuitive. Yeah. Because you you spend 
you spend years and millions of dollars training these, you know, elite personnel to operate in horrendous environments. It's an extreme skill set. I mean, it's a very odd set of skills that they have, but I mean, it is, it is very unique. The fact that you don't want to try to maintain those people and continue holding on to them, cultivating them as a better operator and a better leader, like you should continue to do that. So much money to train all these people. Yeah. yeah. And, and to not let them have a conversation to, to open up and say, hey, listen, this is difficult. Like, it, it, I'm sure it would have been great if a mentor came up to you and been like, hey, listen, this is not going to be easy the entire time, but this is how we deal with it, you know? Mm. <laughs> so. And these are, these are avenues that you can use to uh, stay healthy. Yeah. That's on, whenever I was on that first sailing expedition, I never knew anything about this. And when we were going through the Panama Canal, we met up with this, this boat. It was crewed by all active duty British Army guys. Okay. And they tied up next to us, and I was talking with them, and but at this point, we were, we were sailing for Mission 22 to raise awareness for veteran suicides. Mm-hmm. And um, they saw our Mission 22 flag, and they knew exactly what it was. They were like, dude, Mission 22, nice, man. And I was like, yeah, hell yeah. yeah and we're trying to do awesome. something about it in the States. And, and uh, he, was, he was telling me about where they sailed from. They just um, sailed from a little north of Panama, the San Blas Islands. They were out there for a little while. Okay. And he was like, yeah, we're all active duty. And I was like, what? What the hell is a bunch of active duty guys doing on a 72-foot sailboat out here in the Panama Canal? And he was like... Hanging out. <laughs> Dude, it was the first time I ever heard it. He was like, our command, as soon as uh, you come back from deployment, they want to make sure you're physically okay, but they want to make sure you're mentally stable. Yeah. So they require a third of their unit at a time to go on some sort of adventure therapy expedition, whether it be sailing, hiking, or kayaking. That's yeah, and awesome. they were on the sailing expedition. They're whole, like a third of their guys were out there, man. All active duty dudes. I was like, that blew my mind. Yeah, for a for a for a command to say, take you, off, go, go take de- care of yourself for two weeks decompress. and go sail. Yeah, and holy shit, right? Yeah, how it should be. Yeah. So, so you felt like you were kind of lacking something in that department then, uh, with your leadership or your chain of command. Yeah, but and it wasn't it wasn't their fault. There's just nothing like that, and especially in the Navy. And I can't. I, yeah. I've talked to a couple other guys that it's. It sounds like they do have programs set up to take care of them mentally. But I, I can speak firsthand for the Navy, especially swimmers. Yeah. There, there isn't anything like that. Yeah, and to suggest that the command sponsor and send third of their guys to go take care of themselves on an expedition somewhere in the world, get the fuck out of town. No way. Yeah, I mean, like I said, do you think that they would want to try to hold on to you? They're spending yeah. years of years and millions of dollars training you how to do this and, and keeping up, up on top of it. And physical health is something that the military really focuses on. Mm-hmm. They're okay spending tons of money and time to focus on your physical health. But as soon as you say, hey, I'm having some trouble, get the fuck out. Get out. Yeah. 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 Give us your wings on the way out, please. So, yeah. so you did. So that's what you, you said. You're like, this is not worth it to me anymore. And you got out, and what was the next step for you? Yeah, I finished, uh, so it was, my EOS was up, and I just didn't re-enlist. And uh, I came back here to Texas, and uh, yeah, it all caught up with me, man. I couldn't, I, I had a really hard time when I got out. I, I couldn't, uh, I didn't understand what was going on with my body. And I know we're getting deep again, I'm sorry. I know you guys <laughs> probably thought I was right. going somewhere else. Let's get um, deep, man. I, I would cry for no reason, man. I'd have all, I like couldn't control anything. I'd, was it something specific or was it just? No, and it, and it wasn't. That's what was scary as hell about it, dude. Mm. Um, I, I'd be sitting there not doing anything and there was no trigger. It wasn't for no reason at all. Like my adrenaline would start running through my body. You know, you feel yep. that rush. Yeah. Bro, I would be sitting here just like this hanging out and 
I would feel my heart rate start pumping yep. up. Yeah. And I'd I feel know that exact feeling. You know I, what I mean? Yeah, yep. I, it happened to me once in Ikea. There's <laughs> fucking zero windows Well, there. Ikea will do that to anybody. <laughs> and I was like in the middle, I'm like on crutches, like after my injury. And I'm sitting there and I just like, was like, there's no exits. I was like, how do I get out? Yeah, man. Should be an Ikea commercial, I'm just saying. <laughs> you know? <laughs> you hear that Ikea? So, so I totally- exit signs up. Totally understand how you feel. It just kind of comes out of nowhere and it's almost like a panic attack that yeah. you're constantly yeah. having. I would yeah. get that, yeah, the same thing all the time when I was driving. And I had what no idea. You mean idea. you still get that? Yeah, sometimes, <laughs> yeah. Sometimes, yeah. No, but the same exact thing, man. I'd just be driving, everything's okay. And then all of a sudden, yeah, rush of anxiety, like I'm going to fucking die right now. Right. What's going on? I'm trying to understand that yourself. I'm like, there's something wrong. Like, I need to, I need to work on this. Right, yeah. So is that something that you did? Did you, did you try to work on that? With, exactly like that, dude. It was, yeah. uh, this isn't normal. My body isn't supposed yeah. to do this. Yeah. yeah, that was the biggest push for me to figure it out. Was I was like, this is not right. Did you have anyone to talk to? Anyone to go to? I mean, I, I know to, uh, when you get out without injury, sometimes it's like, all right, see you later, and there's no accountability after that, and you're on your own. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then you go to the VA, and uh, I checked into the VA in Houston, and you know, the first question they ask you, do were you a part of OEF or? I was like, no, I wasn't. I was in Guam. Um, but I'm having these issues. And they're like, okay, we'll get you to see someone. Um, so finally, the first time I was able to see a psychiatrist was six months out from that, from that day. And I was like, okay, well, I'm going to fucking kill myself. And that's why uh, in six 22 months, a day, you know, yeah, I mean. What yeah. the hell am I going to do to myself in six months, right? Yeah. Um, like that, I'm not going to last that long. So was that, was that pretty prevalent for you? The, prevalent. The, I mean, su suicidal ideation, is that like? Yeah, I, yeah, oh yeah. Yeah. For sure. And a couple of our buddies we deployed with had killed themselves at this point. Yeah. Um, I was mad a lot. And and then when that happened, when they were like, you you can see somebody in six months. We got you on the calendar. Oh, great, dude. Thanks for your help. Yeah. Um, yeah. One, of, uh, one of my buddies that I went to high school with, he, him and I hadn't talked for years and he went to write his PhD. Um, there's a whole book about veterans returning back to civilian society. It's a series of short stories he finished. And um, his whole PhD was about veterans returning and, and what happened to their body and, and how they assimilate back into civilian society. And I called him and I was like, dude, have you ever seen this before? And all the guys you've interviewed, he's interviewed hundreds. He, was, he, he went to Glasgow in Scotland. So all the veterans he interviewed were from the UK. Okay. And Which is a totally different thing. Or they have no support system over there, barely. Yeah. You know? Um, he was like, everything you're describing, every single person I've interviewed has felt that same exact way yeah. or experienced that in some way. And dude, this civilian that's writing a PhD about veterans getting out is the one that told me for the first time, dude. Yeah. Nobody getting out of the military, nobody at the VA was like, yeah, it's normal, man. Your body's going to adjust. Your body's going to, this is what happened to it. He was the first person that explained to me when you live in that amount of stress for years on end, your hippocampus actually shrinks. Mm -hmm. And your hippocampus is what your body uses to regulate your fight or flight, your yep. reactions yep. And, your, and, and your endorphins or your cortisol being released in your body. Exactly. So when you live that long in a stressful environment, your hippocampus shrinks and it can't control it. That's why your body gets those releases of adrenaline for no reason because yeah, it can't regulate it anymore. Yeah. 
But what nobody, another thing I never knew when he went into was the hippocampus, the hippocampus actually has been shown to regrow. Living in a healthy, healthy environment, releasing those endorphins, getting your body moving, like healthy adrenaline rushes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Actually regrows the hippocampus. Yep. And that was, dude, I'm getting goosebumps. That was the first time I had like hope that I could get control of my body again, that I could be normal again. From just a yeah. friend of yours. From a friend that not had even nothing a, a to civilian. do with the, yeah. Yeah. yeah, not a doctor, what the how, not leadership. How fucked up is that? Yeah, that's, that, it is. That's fucked up, yeah. Ass um, backwards. <laughs> so that's whenever uh, I was like, screw this, dude. Um, that's why we set out to make this the documentary on that sailing trip. That's yeah. why we set out to do it, to uh, talk about these things, all the research behind how your body can heal and what your body goes through and the reach name. those guys like in the position I was in that thinks you're alone yeah. going through this and you're, you're scared out of your mind because your body's doing stuff. You don't even understand it running away from you. But so, The name of that documentary? It's called Hell or High Seas. Hell or High Seas. Yeah. So be- before we get into that, because I want to hear all about that, is, you know, were you completely fine before you started, you know, sailing? Or did you have more discussions with your therapist, the VA? Like, were you still struggling with your endeavors for PTS? Yeah, I was still messed up, dude. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I don't think I got to a healthy place until, uh, until John actually came out and sailed with us in, in Ecuador, which was a year, year into that. Mm. So, hell or high seas, was that... After you went on your sail, that yeah, Heller I see is about the is about the entire uh, the expedition in its entirety. From from whenever I was building a boat, I got a shitty boat rebuilt from the ground up. Um, had to put a new engine in it, replace all the rigging, and and then we sailed that boat from Florida to the canal, and then down around to Cape Horn. Um, well, tell us about that trip, man. <laughs> yeah, what, 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 about that? <laughs> what, what, what prompted that? What did you, I mean, obviously yeah. you like being around water, being, being on, on board boats, but yeah. Did you know how to sail? Did you just, yeah, I did. I actually learned how to sail when I was stationed in San Diego. Oh, okay. You get, you can get um, boats through the MWR program there for really cheap and they'll yeah. teach you how to sail. So I'd do that on the weekends to, to get away from base. That's pretty cool. Um, the decision to go around Cape Horn and make a documentary about it was pretty easy because, again, I was talking my buddy, the PhD guy's name is Steven. I was talking with Steven, and I was like, dude, there's a lot of guys, and a lot of guys like me getting out that are going to feel this exact same way. How do we let them know that they're not the only ones and that you can heal? Yeah. And, um, and our biggest thing was to show them the research behind, like, the, your physiological changes to your body undergoes yeah, that yeah. amount of stress. Yeah, there's empirical data behind that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so we were like, how do we get their attention, dude? And how do we reach people that have been hurting alone in the States for years, dude? And uh, we were like, well, we got to do something on the planet that nobody else is going to do, and that'll grab some attention. So I was like, okay. Well, I don't really want to climb Mount Everest because that sounds like it sucks. That would blow. And you just <laughs> yeah. pay a lot of money and they carry your stuff up there for you. Yeah, yeah like a hundred grand. I was like, well, the next thing is probably going to be Cape Horn because that's Mount Everest of the seas, and yeah, a handful of people can do that. I think we got a sailor on Cape Horn, dude. Shit. <laughs> so we uh, were like, all right, well, let's. We don't. We don't have a film crew. We don't have anything. I was like, well, let's just we'll film, like, my experience. In my body, and I'll talk about it so the other guys can know 
that they're not alone, that they're not weird. Yeah. Maybe it'll make them feel better about coming out and talking to other people about it. Yeah, I might relate to somebody with Because that was my big problem. I was like, I'm, I'm the only dumbass feeling doing this. Um, Sounds like, to me, you got a bunch of PTS veterans stuck on a boat <laughs> <laughs> sailing out in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. <laughs> I'm in. Let's yeah. take it to 10, brother. <laughs> Recipe waffles. for success. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, You're man. either going to get over your issues or the boat's going to sink. It's about to go down. Yes. <laughs> so, uh, like, walk us through that trip. I mean, it had to be great. I mean, when when was your, did you have an epiphany during the trip? Did you did you realize that you were going to overcome it? Like, wh- where, where was your head at during this trip? Sure. Um, this goes back to the research. Um, so the reason why all of your worst memories in the military are so vivid when you see them is because there's a direct correlation between adrenaline and memory recall. Mm-hmm. that's why the nastiest things you've seen in this world in your darkest moments, like you could see them clear as day today. Um, and those are always stay with you. And the thinking is if you can bring veterans into one of the most beautiful environments in this world and have their adrenaline running that mm-hmm. when you're that low again, you have those moments to hold on to that this world is worth living in again. And that's exactly what happened to me. Um, and unintentionally, I didn't understand it. Now I do look back on a lot. Um, but I'd get that low again. And, I, and then I'd think about like some of our clear nights with stars reflecting off the water and dolphins jumping around us. And there'd be bioluminescence in the water. So it looked like oh, you were in life of pie, dude. Man. Oh, That's yeah. So cool. um, we're, those moments I've always held on to. And then let alone when we finally made it down to Patagonia. I mean, we were just sailing between glaciers and icebergs and like people have never seen. It was untouched, raw, beautiful land. I, it had to be incredible. It was. It was. Um, yeah, that's where we're still trying to, to get another group of guys and go back and do it again. Um, but that experience showed me how, how beautiful this was, as cliche as it sounds. Um, but I always hold on to those, you know, and, and makes you want to live, makes you want to stay alive to see, to go back and do that again, to see things like that in yeah. this world. Because before yeah. that experience, dude, I was just, in a dark hole of self-pity and hate and feeling bad for myself. And yep. I don't fucking care to see tomorrow because this, this world sucks. It's yep. yeah. nasty. I don't want to live here. And yeah. you were you were just like, I'm over feeling like this. It's time to make a change and go do something about it. I wanted to make sure that, like, my guys coming out after me didn't ever feel like that again, dude. Mm-hmm. And that's God's honest truth. I just, uh, that, I don't know, it's hard to, I was there, dude. I had my my, my low moment, and um, all I could think about was making sure that nobody else that I deployed with would feel that alone again. And um, that's why, dude. That's and that's why I want to bring people down there, is, is so they don't, so they want to live. Yeah, that's. I mean, it's a completely selfless way to to approach it. I mean, you're not even looking out for yourself at that point. Yeah, I don't sounds, care, remember? You got to think yeah. in the state of mind. Yeah. I don't give a shit if I die. Yeah, I don't, but I don't you care. care about your friends. Still. I want yeah. to. You know, yeah. I don't want to yeah. be in this world. Yeah. And and I'm sure that you find that as you're helping other people, you're helping yourself overcome your own adversities as well, right? Yeah, I definitely. Yeah, I'm definitely a product of that now. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, shoot. Sailing, it, it's it's not the easiest thing in the world, right? Mm. But you're giving people a task. You're you're making everybody work together, right? So it's, it's there's got to be frustrating moments on board sometimes, right? Oh yeah, for sure. Especially when your boat's sinking or catches on fire, you get 
You're still pretty pissed, man. <laughs> fire on the water is never. Yeah, did that happen to you or what? Oh yeah, that oh. one was John. John and I. And How do we just like <laughs> skip past these stories? Yeah. First of all, it's yeah. such a long yeah. story. Yeah. Let, 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 let me move on. on. We'll move on to the dolphins, but the ship was on fire briefly. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, that's what I want to hear, dude. I want the uh, fire. <laughs> Tell us about the fire. <laughs> it was just uh, it was one of these storms we were in for about six days and. Seas were, were not the biggest we'd seen, but they were still big. They're about 40 feet, 42 feet. And the oh, winds yeah. were about 60 knots. Not, not very big at all. Yeah. Oh, a four-story building. <laughs> but at that point for us, we were like, oh, here we go. We're just yeah. going to get wrecked again. I'd be shitting Let's my roll the whole time. You are. I'd yeah. be sitting on the bow like, yeah, let's do this. Dude. <laughs> full Titanic. Um, I'm not full going to Titanic. Full Titanic. Just a tsunami to the face. Up on the on the up on the bow, uh, like, mm. <laughs> arms outstretched. God, like Dave, Lieutenant God Dan. Dan yeah, <laughs> uh, you're making me rethink bringing you out. <laughs> yeah, I'm a liability at this point. <laughs> We're not bringing him out at all. Uh, oh, that's good thing true. we have a rescue swimmer on board. Yeah, <laughs> I know he'd be able to rescue me. It depends on how you fall in. I might yeah. leave you there. I will resist. <laughs> good. So, so you're, I mean, you, you've encountered quite a bit of problems on the water too. I mean, any pirates? Yep. We have any pirate stories? Yeah, we have a good uh, pirate story off the coast of Columbia. And that's not, I know it's stereotypical, but Columbia is absolutely beautiful. Hmm. It's a really cool country. And we, when we first pulled into Columbia, we um, rafted up to their armada, their pier out there. They've got, and then they had this little riverboat that we rafted up right next to their little armada riverboat. Okay. And I will say, dude, they're some of the most high-speed guys I've ever seen operate. Really? It was so, because they do it every single day. It was nuts. I didn't know. I thought, you know, I'd had a pretty poor experience with Armadas on the way down. They're just like, they don't care. You can bribe them. Bribe them, get through. Um, but the Columbian guys were badass. How and much they, are you bribing them, by the way? Not not a lot. And, and I figured um, it's a lot cheaper to bribe guys when you're getting into a country than it is to go through their whole process. So you'd get charged, when you have to check into a country, you'd get charged about 800 American, 900 American just for the Customs and Immigration to come inspect your boat and then Department of Agriculture to come inspect your boat. Everybody wants a piece. Yeah. Yeah. And finally, I figured out, by the time we got to Panama, I was like, I'm just going to start bribing these dudes. So you'd give them 100 bucks and they'd piss off huh. and you're in the country. Easy enough. Whole lot cheaper and yeah. easier. Yeah. And um, yeah, I'd get mad. Faster. I'd be like, do your fucking job, dude. Like, this is your job. Why, why do I need to pay you extra to do this? Yeah. But as soon as I was like, Okay, this is how it's done. It was a hell of a lot easier for us. Yeah. So it's, it's 100 bucks. Chile's, Chile was no joke. You can't bribe those dudes. Don't try it. Don't try it. No, don't anybody, try it. Did you try it? Wondering. Yeah, they confiscated our boat and it made it very difficult for us to get in the country. That was about a month ordeal. Um, so were you, you were stuck down there? We, we did. Well, we were stuck in Chile because the boat caught fire on the way to Chile and started sinking. And when, yeah. Did you have to get rescued? No, thank the Lord. No, you just <laughs> that would attached, be embarrassing. Yeah. Attached a harness up, threw a rope on, and just swam the boat to shore. <laughs> yeah. No, we and that happened about eight hundred miles off the coast um, when we caught fire. Damn. So, I mean, it's a pretty simple. I mean, story. It, that has to be a pretty stressful eight hundred miles. It was actually awesome. Um, <laughs> it was actually awesome. This now whole, we got to hear it. Now yeah. We well, this whole time on the way down, we had to sail around Peru because. Checking into Peruvian Customs was about $2,200, which we did not have. So we were like, okay, well, we're going to sail from Ecuador around Peru. 
down straight down to Valparaiso in Chile and check in there. And uh, that was a long ass sail. We were offshore. Our, our long, we were a little over 900 nautical miles offshore shore at our furthest point away from shore down there. Significant distance. So we had started coming back in. We were against headwinds the whole time. Um, it was pretty rough on the boat. And then all of a sudden we got stuck in this just hole with no wind for half a week, well, maybe five days. That was so rough. making no progress uh, at all? None. Oh. And we were actually going north because there's a Humboldt current that runs from Antarctica up it's dragging the west the opposite coast. direction. Yeah, so we're going backwards. It's frustrating. We're all pissed off and frustrated. We get hit by this one storm. Like I said, it was about 40 feet, and it was just throwing the boat around. Um, and there's a bunch of loose wires, and the boat's name is the old lady. A bunch of loose wires down below the old lady. And that, in turn, <laughs> caused a couple to make contact and then catch some... Uh, oil that we had because our engine was pretty shitty and mm. the transmission blew up on us so there was oil everywhere Jesus. down there um caught some of that and yeah i opened up the uh, hatch to see where smoke was coming from and as soon as i let air come into the engine bay don't do that sailors i know everybody's laughing at me right now but it's a pretty stupid thing classic. to do but i did it classic <laughs> right in my face lights right um, up yeah. and i was just throwing anything i could trying to put my hands towel over the oil and stuff. Um, and then John actually came with the, uh, oh, you're on the helm, and Stephen came with the fire um, CO2 guy. He's talking to himself, by the way. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. No, Sorry. no he's not. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that was our fire. So we're, but ironically, the wind finally came back the next day. Okay. We had, we were hauling ass all the way into Valparaiso. So yeah, I bet. the whole rest of the time, spirits were pretty good because we were just moving in. Got to get home right now. Yeah, I, w- I would say to overcome PTS, we're going to go on the most uh, difficult sailing trip <laughs> ever. I mean, just lighting on fire. Well, there is science behind that. Um, and then, yeah. yeah, there's a reason why, like, you're sitting at home and your adrenaline starts running because mm-hmm. your body's used to operating like that when you're yep. in the military. Yep. And if you don't give it that release, it'll release on its own. So that's that's where adventure therapy comes in. Yep, I agree. You need to be in in a stressful environment, but a good a good one, not people it's trying to kill you or things trying to kill you. Yeah, um, yeah, con- controlled stressful environments. Yeah, I've done it. the same thing for the past few years with skydiving and base jumping. That was go. my that was my outlet. It gives me that controlled adrenaline rush where I know that I will likely survive most of it, but I'm getting that dump still. I'm around good people. You know, we're around new communities of new people and getting to enjoy and spend time with them as well as still get that big adrenaline mm-hmm. rush, have a ton of fun at the same time. It's healthy. Yeah, it's, it is. It's interesting how, it, you know, we could be from the same community, but we have a different outlet, right? Yeah. And yours just happened to be sailing. And so what's next with that? So when's your next trip? Like, what are you, what's the next steps? Hmm. Well, releasing the documentaries is this year's task. Okay. Um, trying to trying to get as many veterans as we can to see it that otherwise wouldn't. Yeah, absolutely. There's still a lot of dudes out there, and we still get a lot of messages from guys that are like, I had no idea, man. I've been feeling like this for years. We've had the cool, not coolest, but the coolest outcome from the documentary, I'll say, is uh, we're guys from Vietnam are reaching out. Really? And like, I haven't talked to anybody about feeling like this since I got out of the military. 60 years ago. Yeah. 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 Dudes like that, I, I had no anticipation of reaching. Hmm. Um, but th- that's why this documentary is kind of taking on a life of its own because guys that I never imagined we'd be able to reach and be like, 
dude, come sail with us. Yeah. Come on out with us. Those guys have been, imagine 60 years they've been hurting. Uh, yeah. Um, by themselves. Yeah, I mean, longer than they have been alive otherwise, right? I mean, so you've spent more time down in the dumps than right. pr- probably twice as long. Yeah, and, and these, these feelings that they're having have been basking for just yep. years and years. Yeah. So, so you take them out and you teach them how to sail and how to... Uh, no, I don't teach them. It's trial by fire. It's straight up like, you're oh, in shit. it, man. Um, we break a lot of stuff on our boat just because we sail, we sail hard. And there's no, there's a general like, if you want to go somewhere, you need to put this point, this boat into this point of wind, you know? Okay. Um, but as far as the basics go, no. And, and I'm not that kind of teacher. I've noticed that I can't sit and explain to you. I get them out. We get them out on the boat and we're like, this does this, this does this. We're doing this, you know? Right. It's trial by fire. You when either I tell you to do you something catch to do on or yeah. you're out. Which, which is good for our community, man. Guys don't want to sit yeah. in a room. They want to be out there getting it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, they want a practical application, right? Mm-hmm. That's yeah. the way to do it. So there's no briefing at all. It's just like, get on board and let's do this. That's exactly what happens. Oh, yeah. People send emails sometimes like, dude, should I know anything about sailing for them? I'm like, nah, man, you got it. Just show up. You're good. Up. <laughs> You'll, be <all> right. <laughs> You'll be all right. Okay, so do you have any crazy stories of people like getting on your boat and just tanking it or what? Freaking out? Uh... No, dude, and honestly, no, I don't. I think, and the guy I started this uh, nonprofit with, Cameron Album, um, he was really worried about that. He was like, do you think we're going to have anybody that comes on and like we'll have issues or anything? And I was like, if I've learned anything about sailing, it's already a filter in its own. So the guys that want to come out want to be in this kind of environment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it takes care of itself. They tend to understand what they're getting themselves mm-hmm. into. Yeah. Yeah. So we haven't had to worry about it. Everybody that comes out wants to. Wants okay, to, this isn't a cruise. Like, yeah. You're going to be fucking working. Yeah. Is it true that a lot of sailors don't even know how to swim? That was true back in the day. It's like 80% of sailors couldn't swim. They guys, go out by themselves and just... <laughs> this is, this is like way back in the day. Oh, yeah. <laughs> this is like tall ship days. No, no, oh, I, yeah, I okay. continue to believe this to this day. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good. So what's the name of your nonprofit and where can people find more information about it? It's called American Odysseus Sailing Foundation and the website is amodsailing.org. Amodsailing.org. A-M-O-D. Okay. That's awesome. So if people are interested in coming out and sailing with you and hopefully not catching their... Come on. Especially if people are interested in writing their taxes off. Oh, yeah. (laughs) There's a nice little donate button there. Yeah. (laughs) Hit that donate button. Hit the donate button. I mean, you could find... uh, You'll be able to find this guy on our website if you want to reach out to us as well. Medevacpodcast.com. Yeah, you can find all the backlinks to uh, Taylor's organization. And then when the documentary drops, uh, we'll definitely do some backlinks on there. Do you know what, what platform it'll be hosted on? We're doing a limited theatrical release okay. October um, 8th. And then it'll be on all of your video on demand platforms October 12th. Awesome. That's amazing. Are you guys going to do a showing here in San Antonio? September 24th. Be there, be square. Santicos I, is putting it on for us. Santicos? We'll be there. September I'm going to be there. Yeah, we'll if, absolutely be if there. If I don't get an invite. Of course you're invited. <laughs> <laughs> it's implicit. It's yeah. implicit, yes. It's implicit. <laughs> well, thanks for joining our show, brother. Yeah. Uh, it was great talking to you. And I'm so glad that you are able to overcome those adversities through this type of therapy. It's amazing the work you do and how you continue to serve. So let me give the floor to you and say, do you have anything to say to any of our audience out there? No, thank you guys. And uh, genuinely, I'm sorry I brought it so deep, man. I was, uh, 
planning on coming and laughing with you guys. I, would, I honestly didn't anticipate getting into all that. So no, it's no, it is. This is, for your, this this is your throws time, your brother. listeners off too. No, it does. This is exactly what we want. It, we it want opens to... it opens the conversation and the dialogue for our listeners to be able to have these conversations because we're so we're so held back from having these conversations when we were in the military. If you talked about it, you got kicked out. Right? That was a good you show. lose yeah. lose your wings. Yeah. You lose lose your title. You're done. Here, we're we're gonna have open conversations about it. We want to hear about it. And we want to tell you our experiences and yeah. hear yours. And, and, and the power of a story, you know, exposure therapy, you're very accustomed to that, is the more you talk about it, the easier it gets over time, right? right. And we want to be able to showcase that to the audience. So, so thank you for opening up. Thank it's, you for going deep, brother. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> right. Really appreciate it. Well, ladies right and gentlemen, thank you very much. This has been the Medevac Podcast. If you would like to reach out to Taylor Grieger, you can find him at amod, amodsailing.org. There it is. Heck Perfect. Yeah. Thank you guys and have a wonderful day. <laughs> <laughs>